for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 122, and I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Today, my guest is Larry Hagner. He is the author, speaker, coach, and podcaster. He's been helping dads for the past three years. Larry has written two books, The Dad's Edge and The Top Five Mistakes Dads Make and How to Avoid Them. His passion is being a dad with purpose. Larry is the founder of The Good Dad Project, a successful organization that is dedicated to helping dads through various resources. Larry is a dynamic speaker who's spoken for several churches, men's groups, women's groups, and couples with outstanding reviews. Larry is married and has four boys. As always, I will share my points to ponder so that you can start using them right away. And please, as a reminder, don't just download episodes, click subscribe. When you do that, you're joining my parenting revolution and every new episode will automatically show up in your subscribed list. You won't regret it. And remember, I'd love for you to write us a review on iTunes. Let me know what you think of the podcast. We're on iTunes and the PGK podcast is also on Google Play Store and Stitcher. So no matter where you get your podcast, subscribe today so you won't miss a single episode. So parents, thanks for listening. This is episode number 122. Stay with us. Friends, listen up. I have a brand new webinar that you need to listen to. It's called Simple Discipline. Very, very simple. And I talk about, listen up, what to do when no doesn't work anymore. How many times have you looked at your two-year-old, 12-year-old, 18-year-old and said no? They look at you and they smile and they go do whatever they want to do. Listen to my webinar. Go to my website, check it out, and listen. Simple discipline and figure out what to do when saying no doesn't work anymore. I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with Larry Hagner. I know you're really going to enjoy it. Well, Larry Hagner from The Good Dad Project, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on. Well, I am equally, if not maybe more excited to be here. Obviously, as you know, I'm a huge fan of you and, uh, and I love your work. You've, you've changed the lives of men and fathers. So thank you for your work. You're welcome. It's interesting. I was, uh, asked, um, oh, maybe a year ago at a conference, a person stood up and said, so what makes you feel, what makes you think you're the dad expert? And I said, I'm not a dad expert. I'm a kid expert and I can tell dads what the kids are saying person sat right down i don't remember if it was a man or a woman but uh anyway i'm i'm really just excited to be with you you have the good dad project and you have told your story i know your story about how this came to be but i really want our listeners to have a sense of who you are and where you come came from in order to start the good dad project well meg one day i woke up and i was like I suddenly know everything there's no about fatherhood. I should share it with him. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's obviously not true whatsoever. You know, my journey into this whole, you know, dad space really, really started when I was a kid. Uh, my mom, you know, my, my childhood was was pretty complex. My mom was married three times. My mom did the best she could with what she had, but she was she was married three times. Every guy that she married, every guy that she dated, was kind of the same guy. You know, it's kind of like there's usually some element of toxicity, drugs, alcohol, and physical, mental abuse. So I always say that I spent half my childhood without a father figure, the other half with some sort of toxicity going on. Mm-hmm. But what I can tell you, just a really quick story, is my mom and biological father were married in 1971. They had me in 75. They got divorced really quickly. About I was about nine months old. He completely split. No recollection of him whatsoever. When I was four, my mom remarried. And at that point in my life, that's how I thought moms found dads. They just go out and find dads. <laughs> and so this gentleman came into our life. They were married for six years. They got divorced. It was It was a really horrible, bitter end. They got divorced. I have not seen him since. Fast forward two years later, I ran into my biological father by mistake. I uh, wasn't expecting it. We had a relationship for a handful of months. Was this when you were 12? Yeah. So I was. I think I was in seventh grade at the time. We had a relationship for a handful of months. He was remarried, had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. And then it just got to the point, I think, for him at that point in his life where it was too much. And unfortunately, that relationship ended and it didn't end well. And I completely went in a direction of I emotionally overate. I failed the eighth grade. A lot of really crazy things kind of happened. My mom remarried a few more, a couple more times. And then fast forward, graduated from college, was in my first profession. I'm sitting in a coffee shop at a meeting uh, when I was 30. And who comes walking in to get their morning coffee? My father, my biological father, who I hadn't seen since I was 12. And I won't go into how we connected, but we did connect. And here we are 15 years later and we do have a relationship. I I spend time with him actually pretty often. I have two younger half brothers. He's still married to the same woman, but the good dad project dad edge really started because I was struggling terribly. I had at the time, I've got four boys now at the time I had two, I had a four, four year old and a six year old. Didn't know what I was doing. Was really frustrated, short on patience, short on temper, uh, the Good Dad Project, unfortunately, there's there's a part of me that's very ashamed to admit this, but it really came on a on a dark night in a dark moment where my son, who's 12 now, he was four. He stepped out of line as any four-year-old would. I don't blame him. It was my fault. I spanked him. He hit the ground. And I looked at him and I went to help him up. And sorry, um, the look on his face was I felt like I was staring at myself. And I knew in that moment, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to find out how to do this better. And I'm tired of living with no direction, with no patience, having a hot temper. All my life is only my career. And it's only my career because I don't know how, I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good father. And I just surrendered. I'm just going to, I'm going to surrender my ego here and I'm just going to learn. And it it was at that point in 2013, I started gooddadproject.com. It was a blog. I mean, I don't know how many people know this, but Good Dad Project was actually me. I was this project, and then it's evolved in what it is today, which we've been podcasting now for five years. You've been one of our guests. Uh, We have over 600 episodes, and we have 450 men that do life with us, and our mastermind has turned into a huge community and a movement, and it all came out of absolute total struggle and dark places, to be totally honest with you. Well, it's interesting. Um Because all good things do, it seems, you know, all the great artists and a lot of the great work come from 
deep places of pain. Let's back up, if you would, because I think your story is going to resonate with a whole lot of dads listening out there. Talk to me about what it's like to be inside the body and the heart of a little child who desperately wants something from a man or a dad, but he isn't there, or maybe the person you turned to, like one of your stepdads, was abusive or cruel. What does that feel like? And, and, and emotionally, what, what, how does that shape you? Ooh, boy, that's, that, that's a powerful question. You know, if I could think back to my childhood of what it was like being around the men that my mom was either married to or dated, and a lot of them had pretty swift hands, you know, heavy drinking, uh, verbally words were used. And what I can tell you was the best word I can, best adjectives I can surmise is an environment without any psychological safety in it, an environment that was very unpredictable. I mean, I'll never forget even, you know, coming home from high school, you know, being, being in school all day and coming home from like wrestling practice. And I would, I'd go to open up the front door and I'd think to myself, what's going to happen tonight? Mm. Is it going to be, is my mom going to be happy? Is, is the guy she's with, is he going to be in a good mood? Are they going to be drunk? Uh, what is this going to be? And I hated that feeling. Even when I came home from college, when I was in college, I would sit in the driveway of that home and I'd be like, what am I going to walk in on? I don't know what's going to happen, but it was really, it, it, it always felt like you were walking on eggshells constantly. Mm-hmm. You had no idea what was going to happen. It, you could either go from a really good moment, I love you, to complete and total chaos on the other side. And as far as from a father perspective, looking back on my childhood, man, I desperately wanted that male role model. I mean, my, again, I think my mom did the best she could with what she had. I think she desperately wanted a companion, even though she kept picking the wrong one. I think she desperately had the best of intentions. And unfortunately, the men that she chose just weren't the greatest. And there was very little direction in in my life. I felt very lost mm-hmm. and did not know what to do. Did you have siblings? No, I'm, I did here and there. They were kind of mm-hmm. sprinkled in. Whoever my mom was married to or dating, a lot of times they had kids. So there were step siblings or people in my life that were sort of in and out, but I am my mom's only son. Okay. Tell me about your relationship with your mother. Were there times that you felt anger towards your mother? You keep saying my mother did the best she could, which is an adult statement. I don't imagine a six-year-old kid ago, she's doing the best she can, you know, because like, mom, mom, how did you feel towards your mom when you were in grade school, junior high and high school? Were you angry at her? Were you defensive of her? Were you worried she was going to get beaten up by a boyfriend? I would say... All those, I, I had, I had all those emotions. It just depended on what stage of life I was in. And I guess you're right. You know, the, the, my mom did the best she could is definitely an adult statement. I know how hard parenting is raising four boys and I do the best that I can. And I, I think my mom did the best job she could with what she had. And at the same time, yeah, there was a lot of confusion, you know, as far as like some of the men that would come in in our lives and we knew there were trouble and I'm, I'd, I'd be like, why, why is this man in our life? He's, he's a complete crazy person mm-hmm. or, you know, and the other thing too, my, my mom, unfortunately battles with alcoholism, uh, you know, and it's, it's really impacted our relationship. But I, I think my mom just looking back on, it, I think she has, she has wounds of her own from her up, upbringing and wounds from the relationship she's been in. And I think she tries to cope with, with those mm-hmm. wounds. And unfortunately that was, 
a lot of that unpredictability came from her as well. So, you know, it, it wasn't uncommon that I would go home and my mom would be drinking a lot and I didn't know who I was going to get. I didn't know if I was going to get happy mom or if I was going to get, oh my gosh, what's going on? Like it's, it was a Jekyll and Hyde type of experience. Did you feel loved when you're growing up? I felt loved in my early years. You know, the one thing I can say about my mom is when things were good, she was very affectionate. You know, I love like almost just pours it on like, you know, like in buckets. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it would go in phases where it was the polar opposite, you know, and it was, I, I always, I, I grew up being a people pleaser because I never wanted to make her or the guy that she was with angry. Mm-hmm. So I would do whatever I could to make the house clean or to try to do good things or that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely that, that sense of unpredictability that was always there. So you came into marriage and parenthood with a whole lot of baggage. Um, looking back, you know how a lot of that baggage affected your parenting. But what was it like in those early years? I mean, what do you think about your past were the biggest things that affected how you parented your kids early on? So my wife and I just celebrated 17 years of marriage. Congratulations. Uh, thank yeah. you. I've, I've known her for 24 years. Mm. And we, the one thing my wife and I do well is talk. We communicate very well. And I, we, we got into this big discussion over dinner. I was like, what was it like? What were some, what were some high highs for our relationship? And what were some low lows? And she would tell me, she's like, back in when, when you and I were dating and even early into our marriage, I felt like you ran from conflict, which I did. I also was quick to losing my patience because I, I've, and looking back on it now, I didn't have the skill set to be a parent or a husband. And that's what actually I think impacted my patience more than anything. It was more the patience with myself. And then that would come out on other people. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that I was not the best communicator. And the other thing too is I I was on another podcast earlier today and I felt like I had a lot of great lessons growing up of what not to do. Hmm. And so moving into marriage and parenting, I was like, okay, I know I'm not going to verbally abuse my children. I'm not going to throw beer bottles at them. I'm not going to hit them with a closed fist. I'm not going to do like all these things. But I didn't know what to do. It's And the, the analogy I used on this other podcast earlier today was I was in limbo. I was right there in the middle. But it's almost like you're a carpenter and you've never been trained and your boss tells you to go frame up a house. And they're like, okay, I'm going to want you to go frame up this house. And here's a hundred ways not to do it but go do right. it. Yeah. And that's what it felt like. It was very defeating. It felt mm-hmm. very frustrating. Do you think most dads understand or are aware of how their past uh, or their childhood affects their parenting? I think it just depends on the man. I think some men are very aware of how their parenting and how it impacts how they're parenting today. And then I think on the flip side too, there are a lot of men that are like, I don't know why I act the way I do, or I don't know why I, I respond the way that I do. And then I think if you dig deep, sometimes, yeah, it goes back to those childhood wounds. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Good Dad Project. 
So out of your pain came the Good Dad Project. It's interesting because if I were going to sign up for something and it said the Good Mom Project, my first response would be, no, no, I can't do that. I'm not a good enough mom. But you're not talking about, the title isn't about being a good dad and then improving. Your title is about come here and we'll help you be a a better dad, right? It is. And that's where I think, uh, so Good Dad Project is the overall organization. It's always been there. I think it always will be there. I think the brand a little bit is more the dad edge, which is that's what the podcast is called. That's what our mastermind is called. And it's really just helping a man be a better man for himself, for his wife, for his kids, for his own confidence. It just helps a man learn those skills of how to master your family finances, how to optimize physical, mental, emotional health, create the legendary marriage you've always wanted, create the connection with your kids you've always wanted, and to be a leader within your family and lead yourself at the same time. And also the other thing too is give yourself some grace. Mm -hmm. Men are relentlessly hard on themselves and they're quiet about it. And we think we're all alone in these Mm -hmm. struggles. And that's where I think community and tribe really comes in nice for for men. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I think one of the disadvantages that you have as men is that women are encouraged to talk with each other and we'll sit around and we just go, 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 go. But men don't do that. I know it's with my husband. It's hard to get him to talk even to me about deeper struggles because I think he feels that's not what he's supposed to do. What are the biggest struggles, the top three struggles you find that dads who come into the dad edge, um, the mastermind, the dad project have? I know they have a lot, but what are the, what are the biggest, what are the biggest three do you think? So we actually have some great data on that because every man that wants to do life with us has to fill out an application. And then we actually do an interview with them not an interview, that sounds too formal, but we get to know them over over a Zoom call. And what I can tell you is probably 80% of our applicants, the biggest thing on their mind and heart is that relationship with their wife. Mm. They, they desperately want to create a legendary marriage. They want to create an incredible connection with their wife. They want to create that friendship. They want to create the partnership. They also want to create the, the intimacy portion of it. And they don't, and the other thing too, the biggest need, I don't know how to talk to my wife. Like I want to be a better community. I know how to talk to her, but I don't know how to connect with her through communication. So that's a big one. I would say the most important. The second most important is by far the connection with their kids and also patience. I would put those neck and neck. And the third one is optimizing physical, mental, emotional health. But I think if you get to the heart of what a what a man truly wants, maybe not so much the physical, but they want that emotional and mental health because they want to be more resilient. They want to have more capacity. They want to have more patience. They want to have their cup full so they can feed others around them through the, through the, uh, through the overpour, not from what's left at the right. bottom at the end of the day. Do you find that men who come in are afraid or insecure, sort of feeling like, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know it's possible, but I'm going to give a stab at it. <laughs> Uh, without a doubt. I actually spoke to a man who applied to be a part of the mastermind yesterday. And at the end of the call, I was like, all right, so here's how we operate. Here's what we do. And I was like, so is this something you want to do? And he's like, I I think so. And I said, 
I feel like there's something we're missing here. What's going on? And he's like, I just don't know if I'm worthy to do this. And I was like, you don't know if you're worthy to do this. He's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I make a lot of mistakes as a father and as a man. And I, I don't know if I have anything to offer anybody else. And I just, I don't know what, who, what are the guys like in there? And I just, I kind of laughed because we've been doing this for five years now. And I'm like, you want to know what we're like? Yeah. I was like, Here, here's what we're like. We're a bunch of imperfect fathers and our strength is we're eager to learn from each other mm-hmm. and we're eager to contribute and we're eager. We're, we're hungry. We, we want to live this legendary life. We want to live a good life, a great life. That's the difference. And we're okay with dropping our guard and sharing what's really going on. It's not the, it's not the Facebook highlight reel, like all the time. We do celebrate wins, but hey, like it's not uncommon for a man to be like, hey guys, I'm really struggling with intimacy with my wife. I feel like communication, we're not, we're not communicating very well. Um, she's short on patience around me. There's tension. I, what do you guys think? What, what, what am I missing here? And that's where you have like that trusted group of advisors that can help that man. And even when a man can unpack that, right? That's mm-hmm. it's a very good feeling, you know, to unpack like what's going on and then to get some strategy and some ideas and that kind of thing. And after I told him that, you know, I was like, man, we're just, we're just a bunch of imperfect dudes. I was like, and he even told me, he was like, feels weird, man. I've been listening to you for like four years now. And I was like, I'm just a knucklehead on a microphone and everybody knows my dirty laundry. That's the only difference between you and I. Yeah. Parents, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Larry Hagner. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of this conversation. You know, I always say people write books or, you know, start programs like yours because we're trying to figure out our own problems, you know, and and, and we're searching for answers. We're just doing it very publicly and uh, because we're trying to, we're trying to help ourselves. So talk to me about, how you coach men on connecting better with their wives, because that's as, as a wife, that's a hard thing. I, I can tell my husband, just tell me what you're feeling or talk to me about your experience or, you, you know, tell me what work was like and what you, and he'll look at me with a blank stare and, and, and I, I don't get it. So how do you coach men to connect with their wives better? So as far as them sharing what's on their heart or them connecting with their wife and they can take take on whatever emotion their wife is feeling? <laughs> That's a good question back at me. I think, you know, if, if there's a disconnect in the relationship and they're not communicating and, and a wife and a husband have sort of pulled away from each other and isolated each other and you're trying to teach a man to sort of lead which means sort of you be the one to begin repairing that relationship. You know, you want him to be his authentic self and not take on the feelings of his wife, of course. But but where does he start healing that relationship or or repairing the disconnect? That's such a good question. And this is perfect timing. I was on a coaching call yesterday with a client and it was the same thing. His his wife and him were spinning in totally different orbits. He felt like divorce was imminent. Uh, they hadn't connected in quite some time. And I just asked him, I was like, well, tell me what your conversations are about. He's like, well, she points out this and points out that, and this is wrong and that's wrong. And I, and it went, it was all the problem, the problem, the problem. And the the one thing I, so I was trained in a type of facilitation and coaching, coaching called appreciative inquiry. And appreciative inquiry, without going into the weeds of it, it's basically 
creating the vision of what could be and sometimes taking a step back and being like, well, hey, we've probably already been there. So how I coached him and how I would coach other men who might be listening is instead of focusing so hardcore of going to your wife and be like, why aren't we talking? What's wrong with our communication? Like, you know, do I do something wrong? And that, that creates defense, you know, defensiveness. I told this man, I was like, first of all, you got to create the environment. Don't talk about this stuff in your bedroom, number one. Number two, don't be face-to-face. Go on a walk with her. Walk side-by-side. It's less intimidating for her and you if you're both walking in the same direction because it also subconsciously, it helps you like, hey, we're side-by-side. We're here. Then do this instead of being like, well, let's fix the problem of the day. Instead of being like, let me ask you something. And this, this might sound absolutely crazy, but think of a time where you felt incredibly connected to me. And just everything felt right. Our communication was on point. Intimacy was on point. Our connection was on point. Everything was working great. What were we doing? And then allow her to speak. And here's the other thing too. Use empathy. Don't use sympathy. Use empathy. Connect with that emotion that she's sharing with you. Listen. And even if she tells you something that you might not want to hear, listen again and just... So, and there's a way even with tactical empathy, right? I mean, you want to connect with a woman if she comes at you with emotions because you asked that question too. If my wife comes to me, here's a perfect example of how I could shut my wife down or in the early years. She come to me, gosh, these kids are driving me crazy. They left a mess downstairs. They're not listening to me. I'd be like, why are you so upset about this? Just take their phone away. Take the PlayStation away. Get them, get them outside. Why are you so mad? Yeah. And that would just completely derail her. Mm-hmm. Now, what I do with her is I use tactical empathy feels like you're really overwhelmed right now. Yes, I'm very overwhelmed. These kids are driving me crazy. Totally get it. Yesterday, same thing. They were driving me nuts. I understand totally where you're at. How can I help right now? What's the best way I can support you? What feels right? And sometimes she'd be like, I just need you to listen to me. No Mm -hmm. problem. And so I just, just listen and hang on every word. And sometimes she's like, I need your help. Okay, what feels right? How can I help? Or she'd be like, I need advice. And then she's giving the direction versus like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so angry? You should do this, yeah. right? Because that will just shut her down. Yeah. Um, this sounds so familiar. <laughs> it's great. You know, my husband and I don't have kids at home anymore, but oh boy. Uh, yeah. And you know, and you're also busy, busy, busy. You've got these little kids at home. You're both physically exhausted. You're trying to, you know, make ends meet at home. What do you want wives to know? What can we do to connect better with our husbands? What are the big mistakes we make and what are the what are the things that we need to be doing? You asked some amazing questions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't uh, like superficial interviews. We just go to it. Yeah. Oh man, these are good questions. So I think um Here's what I'll tell most women, Des- despite what you think he, wh- what you think might be going on for your man in his mm-hmm. mind and in his heart, he's probably doing the best he can with what he has. And he has probably the best of intentions. And man, this, this man in your life, he desperately wants to connect with you. He just doesn't necessarily know how to do it. So maybe the best way to do it is not to do it. So it's like, well, I don't want to try it. And then I fail. So a lot of men are just, they, we kind of withdraw because I mean, for think about it. I mean, for the most part, stereotypically men go through a lot of rejection in their life. You know, they're usually the one who approach women. 
they're usually the one who are told no. So over time, you know, that, that rejection, man, that really sets in. The other thing too is, you know, the three needs for a man is appreciation, respect, and validation. If I could tell you another data point out of all the guys who have applied for the mastermind is the majority of men, their love language is physical touch and words of affirmation. And I would even put words of affirmation in front of physical touch, because Mm -hmm. if you tell a man how much you appreciate him, that is like the skies just opened up. Like it feels amazing to be appreciated. And even if we don't know how to respond or we're quiet about it, trust me, that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'll, I'll share too is that when your when your man is advising you of what he thinks you should do, in other words, fix your problem, he he truly has the best of intention. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't know how to use tactical empathy, and his way of loving you is to fix your problem. It's not right. I'm not saying it's right, but that's actually his way of loving you. So mm-hmm. if he's if he's diving in, he's engaged, and he's trying to do that. Yeah. It does come from a good place. Well, and we have to remember that because we just look at the actions, not the heart and the intentions. And I think it really helps if you look at someone and go, you know, this he's really trying to help me. And it's coming from a place of love. It's He's not trying to control me or tell me what to do. This is his way of sort of, you know, loving me. And and I will tell you, I don't like to talk about myself, but one thing I learned just to to um, affirm what you're saying is that men need to be appreciated. And I made a very small change in our home when our kids uh, were little that there was a game change in our marriage. It was very, very small. When my husband came in the door, whatever I was doing, I got up and I went to him and I said, how was your day? How are you? Um, I've really, I'm so glad you're home. Rather than sitting continue to read my book or, you know, talk to the kids or whatever else I was doing. Um, it, it changed our relationship, something so simple. But I think he went from feeling ignored um, and unimportant when he came home to being seen. And, you know, I continue to do that today. And I don't know, I, I, I think that sometimes doing the very small things really can be a game changer, don't you? Oh my gosh. We had a guy who went, who did a Facebook live this morning. It was his birthday and he did this Facebook live of his son who had drew him all these pictures of him and just like cool moments with him and his dad and his wife actually drew him pictures. And the guy was like literally in tears, like almost in tears. You could tell like the, he wasn't crying, but the emotion was there. He was like, guys, I just got to show you this, like, check this out. He's like, my wife made me this, like, and she wrote me this and she used these words. And then my son drew these pictures. It was like, there was nothing more important in the world to him than that appreciation and that recognition. Like, and it just was so meaningful to him. And it was, it was pictures, pictures and markers. You know, and how long did it take his son and his wife to do those? Not long, 15 minutes, half Mm -hmm. an hour. And, you know, that was a huge game changer in their relationship. We haven't been able to talk about how to connect with your kids, but I want you to talk about Mastermind and what that is. So, yeah, Dad Edge Mastermind, it is. So what it is, we've been doing it now for five years. In that Mastermind, we have, gosh, we have 425 members now. We break these men out into a number of call teams that we have. We do everything over Zoom. But what we do in that mastermind is each call team is led by 
by two coaches, two leaders, and we facilitate content every single month. So how it looks on the masterminds, as far as you, we get about 10 to 15 guys on each team, we give them 30 minutes of what's called roundtable. And that's where men can openly ask any question that they want. Hey guys, I'm trying to improve my finances. Here's what's going on for me. Does anybody have any suggestions? I'm really trying to master this, right? Or I'm trying to be closer to my wife, my kids, you name it, anything man speak, you know, it's more that round table. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like having a trusted group of advisors. And then the next 30 minutes, we go over what's called our skills agenda. So skills agenda, like for the past eight weeks, what we've been doing is the art of communication within marriage. So every, every week we're teaching a man a new skill within communication that he can use you know, immediately after, after that mastermind call. Every month or two, our, our content changes as far as skill set goes. We do a, a live meetup uh, every single year called That Edge Summit. Unfortunately, we had to do it online, mm-hmm. but fortunately, we got to have you there this this year. So <laughs> it, that was it was good. so much fun. Yeah. I learned so much about just listening to the hearts and hearing the thoughts of men. So go ahead. No, and that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. You know, mm-hmm. men come and do life with us, and they learn how to. We we never promote balance because we we just feel that that's impossible. But we do think that you can optimize, and that's you know your finances, marriage, health, kids, leadership. But that's really what we do in a nutshell. So if, if there's a woman listening out there who said, boy, my husband needs that. I want to connect with him more. Because I think every every mom wants the dad of her child to be a better dad and mm-hmm. vice versa. And every wife wants her husband to connect with her more. And so she may be saying, boy, I really want my husband in something like that. I want him to connect with Good Dad Project or be in this mastermind. But she's hesitant that he may not want to. What should she do? I can tell you from experience, without a doubt, that if a woman pushes this on him or like, hey, you should check this out. You know, a lot of times that comes from, the guys aren't very receptive to that. Mm -hmm. Usually they have to somehow find it, I would say on their own. I mean, Google is probably our best friend. I can't tell you how many guys are like, I just Googled how to be a better father and Mm -hmm. everything came up. But I think uh, for the most part is it would just be more or less sharing, I think, the struggles of a man. Like, hey, I heard this podcast, this guy was on it, and he was sharing some of the things that he goes through or went through and still goes through. And these were some of the things. Do you, do you feel that way at all? Mm-hmm. I think that would intrigue a man to be like, well, y- yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to let somebody know, but I thought I had to be quiet about it. But I, I think sometimes just that relatability. Mm-hmm helps a lot. And the empathy that you were talking about. And and women are great at, you need to do this and you need to do this because you need to be fixed. (laughs) You know, and and giving them a book or sending them to you. They you know, you're right. They may feel like, gee whiz, what's wrong with me? You need to be fixed. And uh, so I think you're right. The empathy with, you know, I really love you and care for you and I know you're struggling. You know, you you might want to listen to the podcast, or you might want to check this out. It's up to you. So, um, I think that's great advice. My guest has been Larry Hagner, the Good Dad Project, the Dad Edge Alliance, and uh, where can people find out about you or more about the Good Dad Project? You can definitely find out everything that we're doing over, you know, gooddadproject.com. That's where we have the podcast. We have all of our resources. We have a Facebook group called the Dad Edge as well. It's a, it's a free group. We have thousands of men in there that 
post questions and have conversations, you know, just via Facebook. And yeah, if, if the mastermind is something that's on your heart or you're curious about that, it's on our website as well. You can go to gooddadproject.com forward slash alliance for that. Awesome. Well, Larry, thank you so much for the great work you're doing on behalf of all the wives and all the kids out there. You know, our country would be a completely different country if we encouraged our dads to be dads. I really believe that, you know, dads hold the key to turning this country around. And I I sincerely mean that. Look at what's going on in the inner cities and boys and girls without a dad are lost and the anger just comes out sideways. So thank you for what you're doing. Back at you. (laughs) And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for your books. Thank you for your message. You know, thank you for helping us as men. It's it, I can't tell you how many times your work comes up in our community. It comes up all the time. So I appreciate what you're doing too. Well, thank you. Now on to my points to ponder. One, make memories with your kids. When dads think about making memories, they usually think of taking their kids on a trip or planning something really special or spending money. But the truth is, the greatest memories your kids will have is simply spending one-on-one pleasant time alone with you. Think back to your own childhood. The events that shaped who you are probably came from a conversation, a comment, a time together, an awkward or funny moment, or simple transitions you and your dad had, like going on a bike ride every Saturday morning or making breakfast together on weekends. What dramatically influences the character of your kids is what you say creating fun moments, and giving your kids special attention. And friends, often you have to schedule that special attention with your kids in order to make memories. Two, love their mother. I can't stress strongly enough how respecting and loving your kid's mother impacts your kids' lives. It gives them stability. When parents don't get along, Kids focus on their parents' happiness, and this is too great of a burden. Knowing that their parents get along allows them to be a kid and to know that they have a solid foundation of love they stand on. When divorce happens, that foundation cracks. We often hear that parents say their kids deserve to be in an environment where there's no fighting going on rather than an environment where the parents are married and they're still fighting. That isn't true. Kids aren't thinking about you. Kids want parents married in the home. And when they're separated and living in different homes, they'd much rather take a home where parents are arguing than a quiet home where the parents are separated. If you're married, do something to encourage and express appreciation to your spouse. If you're divorced, do whatever it takes whatever it takes to be kind and respectful of your ex-wife. If you're bitter, you crack the foundation of your child's life even more. Three, happiness is a choice. Many men become discouraged or depressed when life hurts. I understand this because it's a natural response. But changing the way you think in the midst of hardship makes all the difference in the world. Believing there is a hope for your future is a choice. Believing that you can have a better relationship with your kids is a choice. Knowing that you have everything it takes to be a great dad can shift you from being down in the dumps to feeling good about life. Choosing happiness is really tough. 
but dads are good at the tough stuff. Parents, you know that I love answering your questions, so please keep sending them in to me. I can't answer them on podcasts, but I will answer them in blog posts um, and in podcasts dedicated just to answering parents' questions. You can email me any question, nothing's off limit, to askmeg at megmeekermd.com. Again, that's askmeg at megmeekermd.com. I want to thank Larry Hagner for joining me on the show today. To find out more about Larry and the Good Dad Project, go to gooddadproject, all one word, dot com. That's gooddadproject.com. Be sure to follow the Good Dad Project on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for the Good Dad Project in your internet browser. So let's recap my points to ponder. One, make memories with your kids. Two, love their mother. Three, happiness is a choice. So until next time, parents, always remember that great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. Thanks for listening. And because of your dedication to raising great kids, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over 3 million downloads. Head on over to Facebook and Twitter and follow at Meg Meeker MD and check out what's new at MegMeeker.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter to stay updated and get information about giveaways. Don't forget to share the podcast with other parents. Subscribe so you won't miss anything. And leave us a review so we know how we're doing.